Hello, friends. It's me, Casey Bozell. You know, not to brag, but I've done a couple interviews as of late. And given the general subject material and the title of the podcast itself, some form of the question, what's a weird thing we might know, tends to come up. Inevitably, this leads back to the Wikipedia entry of Mozart's scatological humor. Mozart farts almost always prevail. Enjoy a conversation with Dr. Taggart, as well as Mozart himself, expertly portrayed by Tyler Neist in today's DC Alfine. Hey, everyone, just a heads up for this episode, I did bleep out all the actual swear words, but there's a lot of talk of things of an adult nature here. So be advised of the ears that are around you and have fun. Today on Keep Classical Weird, Dr. Sophia Taggart and I are talking about Mozart. He left a whole trail of writing behind that gave us some unique insight into who he really was. Since we have this collection of letters, I want to talk about the letters and how we can, what we can derive from his personality. I thought I had to burp there for a second, so I was (laughs) going to stop myself. Speaking of dirty humor. I was going to say, Welcome, friends, to episode eight of Keep Classical Weird. I am your host, Casey Bozell, and today we're talking about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. You may have noticed the title of this episode, Dirty Mozart, and today we're looking at evidence that was left behind from his life that strongly supports Mozart being a dirty bird. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart lived from 1756 to 1791, a tragically short life, and surprising to some given his long-lasting influence and piles of music he wrote. Many people today know Mozart from a couple potential sources, his music of course, and the 1984 Best Picture winner, Amadeus. Both contain a hefty amount of Mozart's giddy spirit, but there's a particular part of Tom Hulse's portrayal of the character that tends to stick with you long after the film ends. Okay, I think everyone immediately thinks of the laugh, because the laugh is epic. It is epic. God, I really hope that was his laugh, because it just embodies that, you know, juxtaposition of the twinkle in the eye and, like, the wit and the humor and the intelligence with the just outright body reaction. That presentation of Mozart, I think, is is how I like to see him when I when I play his music. There's a third source that's not as woven into popular culture, and that's the collection of letters that Mozart wrote to his father, to his sister, to his cousin, and to his wife. And there are glimmers in all of these that capture what kind of person Mozart really was. When I am, as it were, completely myself, entirely alone and of good cheer, say, traveling in a carriage or walking after a good meal or during the night when I cannot sleep, it is on such occasions that my ideas flow best and most abundantly. Whence and how they come I know not, nor can I force them. Those ideas that please me I retain in memory and I'm accustomed as I have been told to hum them to myself. 
If I continue in this way, it soon occurs to me how I may turn this or that morsel to account so as to make a good dish of it. That is to say, agreeably to the rules of counterpoint to the peculiarities of the various instruments, etc. All this fires my soul, and provided I am not disturbed, my subject enlarges itself, becomes methodized and defined in the whole, though it would be long, stands almost complete and finished in my mind so that I can survey it like a fine picture or a, or, or a beautiful statue at a glance. Nor do I hear in my imagination the parts successively, but I hear them as it were all at once. <sighs> what a delight this is, I cannot tell. All this inventing, this producing takes place in a, a pleasing live dream. This is fascinating. So uh, when Leopold Mozart wrote uh, his violin school, you know, teaching method or whatever, uh, he said in, in the, the intro that he was going to write a biography about his his son and, and what have you. And he decided to use the family letters as a way to write this bi biography, but also have those letters be filled with advice on life, morality, all of this stuff. So he was uh, obsessive about keeping those letters and inventorying them and making sure that they provide a nice narrative back and forth. And he used to scold Wolfgang uh, because he didn't write back enough. And if he did, he wouldn't write in a way that he, his dad thought he could use it in this biography. So the reason why we have these letters is because Leopold uh, was going to collect them all and publish them as a biography. These letters were all kept, compiled, translated, and are readily available online and as a collection in a book. Some of the letters are a little hard to slog through. He tends to use this medium as an effective journal, so there's a lot of details about how he went about his days, but there are real gems in there too. And much of the letters that stick out for him are letters to his young cousin. Dearest Cosbuzz, I have received, reprieved your highly esteemed writing biting. And I have noted, doted, that my uncle Garfunkel, my aunt Slant, and you two are all well mel. We too, thank God, are in good fettle kettle. Today I got a letter setter from my papa aha safely into my paws claws. I hope you too have gotten my note quote that I wrote to you from Mannheim. So much the better, better the much so. By the love of my skin, I shit on your nose. <laughs> So it runs down your chin. Okay, that's strange. And quite a stretch for rhyming purposes. The contents of these letters are so different than the rest, and so full of enamored praises, that some have speculated that Mozart was secretly in love with this cousin of his. My father gives you his avuncular blessing. My sister, a thousand cousinly kisses... And your cousin Wolfgang gives you what he dare not give. On the other hand, he also went to the trouble of sending her stories like this one. Now I must tell you of a sad thing which has just happened this very moment. As I was doing my best to write this letter, I heard something on the street. I, I stopped writing, I got up, went to the window and 
<laughs> the sound ceased. I sat down again, started off again to write, but I, I had hardly written uh, ten words when again I heard something. I got up again. As I did, I again heard a sound, this time quite faint. But I seemed to smell something slightly burnt. And wherever I went, it smelt, and when I looked out the window, the smell disappeared. When I looked back into the room, I again noticed it. In the end, Mama said to me, I bet you have let off one. I don't think so, Mama, I replied. Well, I'm certain that you have, she insisted. Well, I thought, let's see. Put my finger to my and then to my nose. And ecce provatum est. <laughs> Mama was right after all. So the letters to his cousin uh, are called the Basel letters because Basel, I guess, means little cousin. Those letters, I think a lot of times you might think they're flirtatious, uh, but at the same time, I find them kind of endearing. You know, when you have that little cousin that you that you hang out with at family reunions who is funny and who gets your humor and so you can kind of just be yourself. That's what I get from those letters. As for letters to his dad, who had really great visions of putting this together as an anthology, his responses to him varied wildly. They're often full of praise, sometimes full of stories, sometimes a little bit of arguing, and then there are those where he's clearly not telling the full story. I, Johannes Chrysostomus Amadeus Wolfgang Sigismundus Mozart, Confess my fault in that the day before yesterday, and yesterday, and on many previous occasions, I did not come home till 12 o'clock at night, and that from 10 o'clock until the hour aforenamed at Conabich's house, in the presence of, and in company with, Conabich, his wife and daughter, I frequently, not gravely, but quite frivolously, made verses. And those obscene ones about dung, excrement, and arschlecken, and thought, word, but not indeed. When he addresses his dad and sends him these letters, I mean, it's just like when we call, called home, when, well, at least when I called home uh, in undergrad, you know, like, how's school? Great. I'm studying all the time, and things are, like, like really good. I think it would be not as respectful for him to, you know, send a letter that says, I'm partying it up, Dad! At this point, it might not surprise you to know that there is actually an entire Wikipedia entry dedicated to Mozart's scatological humor. The guy joked about poop. He rewrote lyrics to choruses to instead be about poop. He told stories about farts. The list goes on and on. Well, he, he, he did write lyrics or make up lyrics for for known melodies here and there um and um there's even a list of like all the songs that he has that have lyrics to them you know but what i find fascinating is is we're so obsessed with that with him which rightfully so i mean who would have guessed when i was in high school learning the mozart flute concerto in g major I never in a million years would have thought that Mozart was someone who wrote about on his cousin's nose. That's weird. Uh, that's strange. Um, <laughs> so you just don't expect it from the music that he writes, right? So for me, 
it's hard to accept that, you know, because we look at him as being this high art person, right? But I think what we often forget is that at that point in time, he's kind of from a servant class, you know, he's not, he's not nobility. He's not um, in the upper echelons of society, except for in a servant manner. He's writing music for people. He's serving the upper societal levels through his music, right? So we need to remember that he's coming from a social class that does enjoy this kind of humor. Knowing this, let's listen to a letter to his wife that he wrote while he was away from her for an extended period of time. You now might find this charming or naughty. It's okay to find it naughty. Dearest, most beloved wife of my heart. Oh, how glad I shall be to be with you again, my darling. But the first thing I shall do is take you by your front curls for how on earth could you think or even imagine that I had forgotten you? For even supposing such a thing that you will get on the very first night a thorough spanking on your dear little kissable aunt. And this you may count on. Mozart definitely was still a child when he was 23. But I feel like, I feel like that's because... You know, his dad was hauling him around Europe early on. It's like the it's like he never really had a childhood, you know? His dad was like, Now you will go play for Marie Antoinette. Although, you gotta wonder, I think Mozart might have just been precocious throughout his entire life. You know, sometimes I look at these letters and I wonder what conceptions people might have of classical musicians today. Are we some sort of representatives of high art or unattainable grace? When we present Mozart's wonderful, beautiful music, are we shoved in that same stereotype? Or do people know that we also belch and swear? Because if belching and swearing leads to a greater understanding of classical music, well, I have a plethora of examples in our community to bring you. All of us do that too. We all have we all have the dirty lyrics to, to, to pieces that we play. Don Juan. Do I know the dirty lyrics to Don Juan? Don Juan gets laid more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. (laughs) And that's our show for today. Special thanks to Dr. Sophia Taggart at Washington State University and Tyler Neist, who brought us an impeccable Mozart. The theme music you're hearing is by Thomas Barber, who has never belched or sworn in his entire life. Check out more of his stuff at thomasbarber.com. Web development support is provided by Tina at citybeautifuldesign.com. Tina, thank you for the tea set. Keep Classical Weird is created and edited by me, Casey Bozell. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. For more music appreciation in a bite-sized form, you can visit my Patreon at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay weird. <laughs>